Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, hey, hey. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> Welcome to the Points in the Paint podcast, sponsored by Stadium. We are Stadium's NBA podcast. Ben Wittenstein with Zach Badger House in the house. A little under the weather, but we all right, right? Yeah, I mean, you sound good. You look good. That's really all that matters at this point. And you'll you'll power okay. through the podcast. Yeah, okay. exactly. No, it all it all looks good. And we are uh, we're sad today because we're recording on a Monday. On the Monday, there's no NBA games tonight. There's nothing to watch for NBA fans. Nothing. But we're dropping heat though. Still gonna drop these fire yeah. podcasts for everybody. Make sure you subscribe, listen, rate us. You know, gotta drop that fire every week. We do. And this is actually the perfect time for us to be recording because we get a little bit of a break between the semifinals. We're getting the conference finals on Tuesday. So we'll re- when we release this, it is today. The Eastern Conference Finals and the West Western Conference Finals all start this week. We have a lot of Game 7s to talk about before we give our predictions and what we anticipate for the conference finals. So first, Zach, let's start with the Game 7s. The Bucks take down the Nets. Game seven, a lot of people on the Nets in this game. A lot of people saying there's no way the Nets can lose this game. There's no way Kevin Durant lets a game seven loss happen. And what happens? The Bucks come in. They play well. Giannis scores 40. Middleton steps up, which we haven't seen him do in big games sometimes. And Kevin Durant's feet were just a little too big. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Size 17 back there, Bnar. But, no, yeah, his foot was on the line for a game-winning shot that turned into a shot to go into OT. Like, what of a difference, right? Inches of a difference of an outcome of an NBA series. And for, and for that to happen and for it to go to OT the way that it did, and I think only like six total points were even scored in that OT, I mean, that was a hard-fought game between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. You got to give respect to Kevin Durant, right? And and I was a person that felt like he was afraid of the challenge. He was, he was afraid to compete at a high level, and he needed other guys to be comfortable in his own skin with his talent level. We saw a different kind of Kevin Durant in that game seven and even in that game five where he goes out and scores over 45 points and almost 50 points, you know. So to see that from Kevin Durant without having a Kyrie and a limited James Harden, I can, I can give my kudos to a guy like Katie. Yeah, I mean, there's not much else he could have done. 48 points, nine rebounds, six assists. My wallet would have loved for him to get 11 rebounds over that 10 and a half <laughs> rebound mark. But other than that, I mean, there's not much else the guy could have done. He played, he essentially hit what, you know, could have been, should have been a game winner. Yeah. His feet were on the line. 
So the Nets win this game if Durant is a size, you know, 12 or 13 <laughs> instead of a size 18, which is insane because now the Bucks it changes so much about everything. The Bucks move on. You know, if the Bucks lose this game, maybe we see Budenholzer fired. Maybe we see That's some true. shakeup in, ter- in personnel for the Bucks. And we're going to look back on this series in that very moment, no matter what the Bucks do, and look back and say Kevin Durant's feet being too big completely changed the trajectory of the Bucks franchise. Same and Mike Budenholzer's job. <laughs> yeah, he, he honestly might have in, in that indirect correlation. So very interesting. The Bucks move on, so they're going to play the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I want to obviously talk about that game. But before we do, just any final thoughts about that game seven? Because, I mean, it just it was so surprising that the Bucks were able to win. And I think that says so much about what the Bucks have been doing the past couple of years, where they just haven't been able to come through on a lot of things. They haven't been able to fully realize the potential of the of the players on the team and people questioning Budenholzer, everything like that. They finally get it done. They finally seem like they are a team that is going to be dangerous in the conference finals. I'm happy for the Milwaukee Bucks, right? I'm happy for Giannis. He's finally getting over that hump to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals with the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, he signed that long-term deal, hoping to hopefully reach the NBA Finals. And now he has that opportunity, right? Here we are, front stage. You go out, you beat a Brooklyn Nets team that wasn't healthy. And that's going to be the main say-so in this playoffs. That's going to be the the theme of the playoffs, right? Like, which team is going to be the healthiest come it comes July, right? We've yeah. seen the Clippers lose a Kawhi Leonard. We've seen the Utah Jazz lose, lose players. We've seen the Nets lose players. We've seen all these different... AD, you know, LeBron, even going back to the first round, we've seen so many all-star level talent, superstar talent, not be able to, not to be, not be available, right? And so to see the Suns where they are, you know, Chris Paul comes back, he's not hurt, but just the protocol, you get that team out there with this, with this Clipper team, you got the Nets playing, I mean, you got the uh, the Bucks and the Hawks playing against each other. So that's going to be fun, but please, no more injuries, no more. We hope no more injuries. No, we really don't. And that's the problem is we hope Chris Paul is able to play in game two and and play for the rest of this series. Um, We hope, you know, players like Giannis and Chris Middleton can stay healthy and they really never have had too much of an issue that that in that respect. But you just hope that the superstars are able to stay healthy. Because these playoffs have shown that there's a lot of teams whose superstars struggle. And and we know that Kawhi Leonard, I mean, people are still talking like he may have a chance to play in the series, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be playing in the series. And and so Paul George is going to be by himself with that one. So it's just a lot more fun when the superstars are available, less injuries and everything like that. So hopefully it's an injury-free conference finals and injury-free finals. Now, for Game 7 from the, uh, the Hawks and the 76ers... Zach, and uh, you would have thought that that Bucks nets game was fun and had a ton of storylines coming from it. But, uh, oh, boy, this, oh, boy, uh, <laughs> ooh boy, this Hawks 76ers game was uh, a lot happened. A lot happened. And most of it had nothing to do with the Hawks <laughs> and nothing to do with the Hawks winning. You know, Trey Young didn't play his best game and the Hawks were still able to win. Kevin Herter, the uh, Red Velvet. Red Velvet. Big guy. He uh, he came in clutch for them after, you know, he was really kind of tapping on that glass of being someone who could make a big difference. And he finally was able to break it and show that he can make a big difference in clutch moments. Um, but uh, I guess we have to talk about the 76ers because there's a lot of issues <laughs> with the Philadelphia 76ers. Zach, there is a, 
a lot of issues. And I'll, I guess we might as well just start with the, the man who shares my first name in Ben Simmons. <laughs> and I tweeted it out last yeah. night. I tweeted out Sunday That's night fun. that he has brought a lot of shame to the Ben the first name. <laughs> A lot of shame. Guy scores five points. Five points in a game seven. 38 minutes. 38 minutes. You play 38 minutes, score five points. Refuses to dunk an open dunk, which might have cost the 76ers the game and the series and his time on the 76ers. That's another moment in time where we may go back to and say, this was the beginning of the end of Ben Simmons, A, either on the 76ers or him as a starter or him playing even in the NBA because his stock, there is no one else's stock who I have seen tank that much in one series. And I have Ben Simmons. That's true. Cause like, dude, you got to be better at the free throw line. You got to be more aggressive on offense. It's just about being aggressive on offense. Like at this point, I think that's the bare minimum you can even ask for from Ben Simmons is just to be aggressive on offense because we've constantly time and time and time again, over and over, shoot the basketball, shoot the basketball. We need Simmons to shoot the basketball. He needs to be a reliable shooter. At this point, it's gotten to the bare minimum of just be aggressive, attack the basket, utilize your strengths, the ability to get to the rim, the little post hook, your little signature post hook you like to do. Like you, you obviously can't turn your back to the basket and fade away or anything like that. What do you think of this? What do you think of the idea of him just flat out changing positions? He's six foot 10. You think he should just flat out play power forward and be a rim runner? I see. I I saw people talking about this and I saw people saying if he's a four, it would make a lot more sense. And he could play like the traditional four. Right. He could be like that traditional four. And I could see it. And I think he would be a very versatile four. And I could see how that works. But I there is just um, there's a lot of issues with his game right now and the way that he is playing that I think transcends every other type of position that he can play, because he is scared to dunk an open shot that he has the yips or whatever it is that he has, no matter what position he plays, if he's scared to score the ball and he can only be a one-way player and a, and a good defensive player, he's nothing more than a, than an overpaid seventh man on a team at that point. If you just bring him in to be a defensive specialist, that's great. And if that's what you want Ben Simmons to be is a defensive specialist, you bring him in as a seventh man. That's great. He's getting paid too much to do that, first of all, and people's opinions of him are much higher than that of a, of a seventh man who plays really good defense. So I don't know what you do. And he said today, too, or they reported that he's not going to be playing for the Australian national yep. team yep. because he's going to work on his skill set. He's going to I mean, has he never done this before? Is he, is he never taken an offseason to, to work on his shot? Is he never taken an offseason to work on his free throws? Is this like the first time he's like, I, I got to work on my skill set now. But regardless of that. It's worrisome. It's worrisome that that he's in his head so much that he can't make free throws, that he doesn't want to shoot open shots. A, a, a change in position isn't going to change much from that perspective for him. So that's what I'd be worried about first and foremost is his mindset going into next season. Because he had three total field goals in the fourth quarter of this series. Three total. That's three insane. Three total. Didn't attempt no baskets, I believe, the last like four games of that series in the fourth quarter. So you just flat out said, I'm just not going to be involved in the offense, and it's essentially going to be four on five on this side of the floor. That's yep. ridiculous. Like, exactly. that is that is flat out ridiculous. And you can't have that making $170 million. And, I, and that's why I don't like the idea of him being an all-star these past two seasons. 
he wasn't a starter. But how do you, as a coach, look at Ben Simmons and say he deserves to be an all-star? Because when you give guys accolades, that puts them in a higher position in terms of like salary and the potential amount of money they can get, which puts you ultimately as a Philadelphia 76 or front office position that puts you in a situation where what? You don't know what you're going to be able to do with a guy like Ben Simmons because of what you said. His stock is has plummeted. It yeah. means it means absolutely nothing to try to go after Ben Simmons right now no. today. There's no point because you're going to be overpaying for him no matter what position you play him, no matter what role he has on your team because it's not going to be the number one scorer, obviously, <laughs> and it's not even going to be the top three or four scorers maybe on your team. So you're overpaying for him from the get go. Now, you might be able to get him for a good price trade-wise. Maybe you don't have to give up as much in a trade than you would have, obviously, you know, three, four weeks ago. But it really would take a special team, a team that already has a couple scorers, to trade for him, and that would need him. And maybe they could sacrifice him playing at the four or just bring him off the bench. I don't know. He's going to have to improve on so many things this offseason, shooting scoring, getting his mentality back, free throws. You know, he so much. He averaged 9.9 points in that series. He did not even average double-digit scoring. Like, I don't understand it. And I, I really liked him uh, a couple years ago, and I thought he was great. And, you know, he was – people jump were like, oh, away. he's like mm-hmm. – Yeah, he's, he's a jump shot away. Exactly. And he has not – I just don't know, Zach. Like, has he not practiced shooting – but see, the that's deal? the thing, man. Like, that's understand. what's so crazy, because, like, he gave us, like, shoot-around videos. So, like, he's, he's giving us videos of, like, him in the summertime working out, shooting the basketball, getting open run in, shooting the basketball. Come the real season, NBA season, we get nothing. nothing. We get none of that. Not, not no. even close. And, like, you go to the free throw line, and you just look like a deer in headlights. Yeah. And I, so, I don't understand it. And it's so it's just it's so tough to see because like I was one of those people who was riding high with Ben Simmons. Used to proudly say, Oh, he's just a jump shot away. Once he knows he can do that, he'll be fine. I believe it's so much more than that now. So yeah. much more. I agree. And it's clearly mental and it's maybe he's just not practicing what people think that he's practicing. You know, we'll we'll have to see what he does this offseason and how he comes back next season. And Odds are at a lot of sports books that he's not going to be back with the 76ers next season. I think I saw one sports book put it at minus 450 mm. that he won't be on the 76ers next year. That's so like a guarantee. That's, that's <laughs> almost as, as good of a guarantee as you can get. So we'll see if a team trades for him. We'll, we'll see what the 76ers do with him. But it's very clear that the process that Joel Embiid loved to talk <laughs> about either is done, didn't work, or – is just, yeah, it just was never actually a thing that was going to work. And, you know, I read there was I was reading pieces about people feeling bad for Joel Embiid because he, he was stuck with Ben Simmons and they didn't really build a great team around him. Uh, and you can't really fault him too much. He didn't play a, a tremendously great series. He, he was good and he had really good stats, uh, but he turned the ball over a lot in game a seven. And, and, you know, you could say he was playing with that meniscus tear and he was playing with an injury. So I get that. And I get he probably wasn't fully 100 percent. But who in the playoffs at this point is fully 100 percent right. to, to, to that point? So I, I don't know. Simmons is still very, very talented and he needs help around him. And Tobias Harris, I could go on about him missing point blank shots. He missed like three, three or four. But, he didn't, play, but he didn't play too bad. 
you know, I won't, I, I didn't give a lot of criticism on Tobias because he did, he, he did, a, a, I'm not going to say enough to win, but I feel like he, he put them in a lot of positions to like be within the game against the Atlanta Hawks, Tobias Harris. He kept the energy in terms of attacking the basket, making catch a shoot shot, making catch, catch a shoot three pointers, you know, that sort of thing. Was it consistent throughout the series? Maybe it's not as much as you had hope, but he did a whole lot better job than the dude he getting he uh, that's making more than he is in <laughs> yeah. Ben Simmons. I'll give you that though. Hundred percent. And I mean Seth Curry, love Seth Curry. Guy's fun. He he showed up. He and tried. Runs. He did. He did. Yeah. He became their second like scoring <laughs> option. That's true. In a team that he should not be a second scoring option for. So I mean he stepped up way beyond the Call of Duty. For Steph Curry, so I applaud him or Seth Curry. He he did a he did a tremendous job, and I think it was a great trade that they made for to get him to get Danny Green. They were obviously missing Danny Green, and I, I don't know how much that would have helped in this series or in the last couple of games. But you have to hand it to the Hawks. Nate McMillan, terrific job with that team coming in for Lloyd Pierce and taking them to the Eastern Conference Finals. He he has done a tremendous job with that team. He has woken something up within him to to be able to play like this, and they're a deep team. They're a talented team. They have a, an incredible scorer in Trey Young, who has now beaten the Knicks and the Man. 76ers on the road. On the road, too. Like, that's unbelievable. Two hostile environments. Yeah. I, you have to respect Trey Young at this point. You may not like him, but you have to respect what he's done at this point to two really high powered Eastern Conference teams. And, you know, they're going to go play the Bucs. And as the last time that I checked, they're a seven point underdog to the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee's first game at home, and I know we're going to do our betting segment in a little bit, but I kind of like that plus seven, Zach, so we'll, <laughs> oh. we'll, we'll hit that We'll hit that in a second, and I know we had our stat of the week. Um, what's our stat of the week this week? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Three. <laughs> three total field goals. From oh, Ben Simmons all fourth quarter. It was terrible to see, man. It was just terrible to see. He wasn't aggressive at all in the second half, essentially, in those games against the Atlanta Hawks. And then you have a Trey Young who's going to constantly try to go to the free throw line and be aggressive despite shooting like three of probably like 18. He shot so poorly but stayed aggressive. Shot yeah. poorly, Ben, but stayed aggressive. If you can't, if you're going to be out there shooting poorly or not taking shots, find other ways to be aggressive on offense. Because if you're just passing, you're essentially being an aggressive passer, which also means you're just being a, being very passive, <laughs> extremely yeah. passive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, CC to Ben Simmons on that one, who is just a glorified guy who bring up the ball for the 76ers and went into his little corner and kind of stayed there on the baseline. Just stayed there. What about Insane. your Jazz though? We what's up? We gonna talk about them or what? Huh? Yeah, we we could talk about the Jazz losing. Uh, that's, yeah. Uh, uh, and what what did I say that I'd come on here and uh, I need to apologize? Hear yeah, I just want to hear. I told you Clippers in seven. You said Jazz in five. Just out here disrespecting Kawhi. Then Kawhi not even there no more. What's yeah. up? That is uh. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, <laughs> I have to apologize because that was horrible. That was horrible by the Jazz. They looked terrible and i have never disliked rudy gobert more than i did <laughs> in the two games that he had to play with Kawhi out and they just went ultra small ball and they stuck nick batum in there <laughs> and rudy gobert comes out and he clearly can't close out at all 
Now, I, I blame him a little bit less than I did initially, and that's because the Jazz perimeter defense is hot garbage. It is poo-poo. <laughs> there is no one on that team who could play good perimeter defense, at least in that series. Donovan Mitchell was letting guys go right by him, and you got guys like Ingles just letting guys go by. Even Royce O'Neal wasn't really playing great perimeter defense, and that whole defensive scheme is really based upon them playing good perimeter defense and then Rudy Gobert anchoring down low and they got to credit Ty Lue for for scheming out of it five out he decided to go five out we're going to put five guys on the perimeter we know the position that Nicholas Batum originally plays small forward what position did Tyron Lue have him out there playing center <laughs> so you got nicholas batoon at the five with paul george and reggie jackson and terrence mann and those boys and so when you have that type of lineup you know they're not looking to attack from the out from the inside first it's the out it's the outside first yeah. they're looking to drive and simply kick if you're going to commit rudy gobert we're kicking out if not then so be it we'll find we'll find our option at the rim and so when you see when you saw all that dissect and they didn't really have no answer and you kind of really can't take Rudy Gobert out the game because that just adds uh, another dynamic on offense for the Clippers to attack the basket. And there's no Kawhi Leonard. So I don't know how much I'm really going to be giving Utah, you know, excuses right now because there was no, no Kawhi Leonard in the game seven and Mike Conley came back. And I won't say that one more time. Mike Conley came back, Ben. He did. That's uh. That's it's a tough look. There is no excuse. I, there is nothing the Jazz can say to excuse the just garbage way that they played, especially in that game six. And it's it is shameful for them to have done that. And and, and there's going to need to be some changes. Something's going to have to happen. Maybe get rid of Quinn Snyder. I don't know what the issue is for the Jazz, but they had everyone back. Mitchell obviously wasn't 100 percent healthy. Conley wasn't 100 percent healthy. But again, Zach. Who is fully healthy in the playoffs? So I don't know <laughs> if you have that excuse going for you at this point in time. And the Clippers weren't even with their best player, weren't with a top three player in the whole entire universe of basketball. Terrence Mann. And then Terrence Mann shows up and becomes the number one greatest player in the universe <laughs> of basketball. 39 so, points. It was unbelievable to see. I, I, I don't know what you do with the Jazz. They were an immense disappointment. They went up 2-0 in the series. Looked like they probably could have sweep, swept them. And then Kawhi goes down and everyone says, all right, it's the Jazz series. And then they go and lay an egg. So they do not deserve anything in the, the rest of the playoffs. The Clippers hand it to them. They deserve it. They're in the Western Conference Finals. So let's get to the Western Conference Finals, previews, predictions, whatever. We already have one game with the we Western do. Conference Finals. We do. Uh, and the Suns won that one. Devin Booker comes out. 40 points for D book, triple double. The man is a menace without Chris Paul. He steps up the Phoenix Suns cover. They win Devin Booker again, triple double. The guy's great. The whole team played really well. Defense maybe could have been a bit better, but I, I don't, again, I, it's the same thing with the jazz where I want to say the Clippers are probably done, especially without Kawhi, but you never want to count them out. But this Suns team, Zach, they're so deep. They're so fun. They have so much talent. It's hard to see them not winning this series. You're right. I think they still need Chris Paul at some point. Yeah. Because, you know, it's all about adjustments, right? So what are they going to do in game two after this, you know, great historic performance from Devin Booker coming out and getting a triple-double along with 40 points? Hasn't been done since Sir Charles Barkley in about 1993. So when you got something like that going for yourself in D-Book, 
you got to come right back with it. And I think, you know, they'll key on him a little bit more. But I do like what he did throughout the game. He started off passive and then became more aggressive in the second half, particularly in that third quarter, where I believe he had like 18, 20 points in the third. So he was working that Clippers defense. Yeah, the uh, the Suns were down by five at one point in that third quarter. Call a timeout, rearrange everything. Devin Booker comes in, he scores. I think yeah, I think it was seventeen points in, in that third quarter. So he's tremendous, and I think people need to start giving him the props and the respect that he deserves at this point, because people still don't talk nice. about him as like a major superstar. And maybe it's going to take a trip to the finals for people to really start talking about Devin Booker as kind of one of those upper echelon. NBA players. Now, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to say top 10, but he's go. he's absolutely at this point in the NBA, a top 20 player. Um, he, top 10. And, he could be top and, 10. And you could, I, if you make the right argument for top 10, I probably will accept it. But I mean, it's hard to say that, that he's not top 10 when he's scoring a triple double in a conference finals game. And again, only guys since Charles Barkley to do that, like you said, for the it's hard, it's hard <laughs> to, it's hard to discount him for that. So he's been playing great. Chris Paul, they just announced, too, actually, that he's going to be out for game two. So no Chris Paul for game two, no Kawhi Leonard. The Suns are going to have to do it again with CP without CP3. They did it in game one. I think they could do it in game two um, because missing Kawhi is a lot worse than CP3. I believe so, too. And I believe it's all about securing home court, right? So as long as the Suns can secure home court, these first two games, I think they'll be in good position for the rest of the series. I don't see them losing four four games if they go up two to nothing, right? So it's all up to Devin and the play again, once again, because he had 20 points and nine rebounds. DeAndre Ayton, I believe his he is very vital to that Suns team, and they go as far as his engine and his motor allows them to go. The second-chance baskets, the easy baskets at the rim, rim running, pick and roll with Devin or even Cameron Payne, whichever you know, whichever perimeter guard is going to be out there moving forward right now. I'm going to go ahead and say, Ben, Phoenix Suns win this series in seven and head on to the NBA Finals. Interesting. You're playing it a bit safe with that seven. Interesting. You, you think the Clippers really have that much in them? Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe so. Because let's, let's look at what we've saw, right? Think about what we've saw so far, Ben. We've seen a Terrence Mann, basically, that may be his coming out party. We know that game seven, that, that may give him another confidence to maybe still a game or two against the Phoenix Suns. You got a Reggie Jackson who's playing out of his mind. What is going on with Reggie Jackson? I keep asking all my friends that. He is playing good basketball, good playoff basketball. And you and I'm just like, I'm mind-boggled by it because it's like this dude was in Detroit Pistons averaging like 14 points, like six assists, and they sucked. I don't know what it is about Detroit that all these players just leave and go somewhere else, Ben, and just flourish. But that's the circumstances right now. It is. It's uh, I'm sorry about that. That's tough for for a Michigander like yourself to, to see that happen. I'm sure. But I don't know. I don't know what's what's gotten a hold. Of. I think I'm going to say Suns and six, though. OK, I'll give them I'll give the Clippers two games. I'll okay. give the Clippers winning two games, because like you said, and I think we saw the Clippers ahead in, in the third quarter. And I you know, if they can if they can stay with them, if they can keep themselves healthy from here on out without Kawhi Leonard we're probably going to see another big game from Paul George and maybe see another game from Paul George and Marcus Morris and 
Reggie Jackson or Terrence Mann, you know, yeah. they have had that time where all three stars line up and they're able to play really well as a team. So I think they get at least one win, probably two, but the Suns are a good enough team. And I think they'll get Chris Paul back for game three. I think it should be good. I think that I think we're going to see the, the Phoenix Suns in the uh, in the finals, which is going to be a lot of fun. They're and, they're most fun team we've seen in a long time. I think oh, yeah. I, I would say so myself. And my man's out there in Milwaukee is not Ben Simmons. OK, I'm going to say that one more time. <laughs> Number 34 <laughs> for Milwaukee is not Ben Simmons by all means. As we go into this next series. Eastern Conference Finals, Milwaukee Bucks, Atlanta Hawks. Ben, let me be the first one to tell you, Giannis Antetokounmpo is not Ben Simmons, okay? No. And he wasn't veering towards the way of Ben Simmons as much, but people were starting to question if he'd be able to do anything. So he's finally he's finally in the back in the Conference Finals. He has a chance to go to the Finals for the first time in his career. This is going to be interesting because we saw him hit a lot of threes in games. We saw him take a lot of threes in that series, and he didn't take a ton in game six. He took some in game seven. He made a bank one in game seven. I think the key for the Bucks to win a series like this is Giannis needs to Don't say zero threes. <laughs> zero, zero threes for Giannis Antetokounmpo. No threes. It's like the soup Nazi. No threes. Nothing. <laughs> so I think that's the big key. Stop shooting unnecessary threes. I can I, I see the Bucks winning this series, but I am not. I am not underrating the Hawks anymore after what I've seen in this playoffs. I think the Bucks and Hawks go seven. I think the Bucks can pull it off in seven games, but I definitely see the series going seven. I see it going six, Milwaukee in six. I give Atlanta two games because I know what Trey Young is capable of now. I know what John Collins can do. I know Clint Capella can go out there and produce for the Atlanta Hawks as well. You know, you got Red Velvet, you got Bogdanovich, you got Gallinari. You know, they like I like you said, they're pretty loaded. Lou Williams comes in, provides a spark for them too off the bench as a sixth, seventh man. And so when you have all that, yes, they do have a fighting chance against the Milwaukee Bucks. But I don't know if anybody on that team can stop Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't think they have enough bodies. I don't think they have enough big enough bodies. Brooke Lopez, I think he could do a lot of a lot of damage against this team, too, and could put a lot of uh, pressure and a, a lot of uh, foul trouble on Clint Capella and uh, John Collins, too, around that uh, down low. And so when you look at it from that perspective, I'm going to go Milwaukee six. Drew Holiday, I think he could do a decent job on Trey Young. I, they need more from Drew Holiday. Yes, defensively, they good. he's great. Offensively, they need him to score more. Yes. And then Chris Middleton, you know, he's been – hey, listen, what do you think of Chris Middleton in these playoffs? Because, listen, I'm trying to tell you. He's, he gets shaky sometimes, but then at other times he looks like, man, he looks like – the real deal. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's less and less, too, from last season where we saw him just kind of fade into the shadows a little bit more. We've seen him come come up big in big games this year. We've seen him play better and shoot better and be a smarter player in big games so far this season. So that is a promising sign. And I think we'll see that more in this series as well uh, with the Hawks. So I think that is a good sign for Middleton because the, the whole thing against him, right, was he doesn't really do much as a second scorer for the Bucs. He, he doesn't come up in big moments. He kind of shies away. He misses shots that he should make. Didn't do that in that in the last series. Nope. And I don't think he does it in this Hawks series. And, and it's big for the Bucs, too, that their first two games were at home. 
Yep. So they play a lot better at home than they do on the road. It's going to be a tough environment in Atlanta for them to play, but they could pull off two in a row if they play at home. So, bed in the corner, buddy. How are we going to make these people some cheese? Yeah, let's make some money for some people because we haven't done one of these betting corners in a little bit. So we might as well do a little bit right now. And we have the lines for game two for the Suns. We have lines for game one for the Bucks and the Hawks. So let's start with game two because that is the game that is being played tonight. We're going to see the Suns and we're going to see, obviously, the Clippers. And the line right now, Zach, as of this recording, is Suns minus six. And earlier this afternoon, it was minus five and a half. And I'm sure when this comes out in the morning on Tuesday and by Tuesday afternoon, the line may have shifted a little bit depending on some injury news or not. But right now it's at minus six in favor of the Suns. 224 is the total. Is six points too much for the Suns to be laying right here, especially in game two? No Chris Paul. Suns had to come back from a little bit of a deficit down five in the third. You kind of like the Clippers at plus six here? I actually like... Minus six. You like the Suns. I like the Suns. And I do because I don't think, granted, who knows if Devin Booker goes for 40 and gets a triple-double, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't know where at home for the Suns, like I know they're going to do good. But on a road, if you're the Clippers, who's going to give you that extra spark that's not Paul, that's besides Paul George, right? Is Reggie Jackson going to give you that second game on the road? I don't know. You know, I, I just, I'm not sure. Terrence Mann, I'm not sure. They may have to wait till they go back to Inglewood <laughs> in L.A. before we really can get the games out of them. I will say this, though. Down the stretch of that game, Ben, Rondo was starting to look like playoff Rondo just a little bit. And I think the more minutes he gets, the more we see from him in terms of productivity, uh, really it put a little more pressure on the Phoenix Suns. Interesting. So it really is for the Clippers at this point, they need one of their role players to start stepping mm-hmm. up more consistently. And I mean, if you're looking at player props, uh, I, I don't know wh- which books offer which, but I think a Marcus Morris player prop may be an interesting one to look at because he is one of those players, at least in the playoffs that has had up and down games. And usually uh, he'll have a good game, especially if the Clippers are down, he'll, he'll take a lot of shots and he's someone who you may want to hit his points prop, maybe his three pointer prop. If it's around one and a half or two and a half, that might be a good prop to hit. But I do like someone like a Marcus Morris coming in playing well. He had six points in game one. I don't think he does that in game two. I think he has a much better game. I think he knows he has to have a much better game if he wants the Clippers to be able to win. So I think hitting like a Marcus Morris player prop, if you're not liking either of the sides or anything like that, I think that might be the way to go. And, and I'm really all in, Zach, on taking players who had a down game before, having a good game that game after. Um, so I really like that. I'm trying to check these other books to see where we might see some Marcus Morris point totals. 11 and a half is one that I'm seeing right now. He had go, six he get in 12. a bad game. Yeah, he could double up and get 12, I think I he could absolutely get 12. So something like that, I like. I, and I think you kind of can, can gamble with one of those, with kind of a role player like Marcus Morris, because we've seen him step up. We've seen him step up without Kawhi, and he's, he's more aggressive with the ball, too. You said 224 for the over, right? 224. I would go under, actually. I would take the under in that. 224, I would go with the under if I was, if I was a betting man such as myself. 
you know, I would roll with the under at 224. All right. I like that as well. Um, I could I could do the under and especially in game two, when the, the teams have finally kind of had a chance to look at each other at, at this point and they kind of figured each other out a little bit. I, I could see the under hitting for sure for something like this. Now, game one, Eastern Conference Finals, Hawks Bucks on Wednesday tomorrow, minus seven bucks, 226 and a half is the total. And I will say this, Zach, I like the Hawks plus seven. I, and I said this, what, 10 minutes ago. I'm not underrating the Hawks anymore. I'm not underrating what they can do. I'm not underrating their talent, their ability to come back when they're down. I like the Hawks plus seven. You do? Plus seven? I don't don't know if I like their money line, but I like them plus seven. Okay. Well, plus seven, I think seven is a lot. But at the same time, when you look at it, who just played last? I believe the Hawks played last, so that I believe that one extra day of rest is gonna make a difference for Milwaukee. Besides, Atlanta has to travel to uh, to Milwaukee, and so you know that's a road game minus seven. You know they're gonna be gas. Trey Young's not coming off too much of a hot game. They, they can win by like ten, Milwaukee Bucks. So I would take the Bucks minus seven. I think the Bucks come out and shoot very well and support Giannis because I think Giannis. I don't think Giannis is gonna have too good of a game you may end up having 25 or less i don't think he'll have a good a good a super good game where he where he stands out but i think you may get a good game out of drew holiday because of the matchup and chris middleton i believe will be able to show up too i like it and if, if you don't like the full game spread a little too high for you bucks minus three and a half first half I like that nah, i'll take I, the hawks that plus three and a half you take the hawks time, in the first half. I, I would do that yeah I would do that because I think the Bucks are a second half team, a team that can really spark up in the third quarter. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that that's interesting. So yeah, I mean, right now it's at three and a half for the first half. Um, the player props really aren't completely out for for this game. Giannis is at thirty three and a half. So you take the under on thirty three and a half for Giannis. That is that is a little high. I, yeah. I agree. Thirty three and a half, especially in game one. I mean, they're they're feeling each other out. I, I don't know if the I think the Bucks probably look at the Hawks and they're like, we can we can take this team. This is this is pretty easy. So Giannis may not. I mean, Giannis scoring 34 points in Game One would be impressive. That would be impressive at this point for for Giannis. And the under is favored for that too. So good luck to everyone betting. Hopefully you uh, you do well. Those are that's our input. We want to finish the show, Zach, with what NBA Twitter is talking about this week. What it do, baby? Yeah. We have a little bit of a coaching update and maybe some history that could be made with the coaches. Isn't that sweet? Becky Hammond nice. is a finalist, folks, for the Portland Trail Blazer job, the head coaching position. She has an opportunity to be the first woman coach in NBA history at the helm, at the head coach spot. How do you feel, Ben? I think it's great. I think it shows progression for the league. What do you think? Oh, for sure. For sure. And, I mean, there should be multiple women's head coaches hopefully soon in the NBA. We have, what, six openings at this point, seven openings for coaches. So I think that's a a great opportunity for her uh, to go to the Portland Trailblazers, especially if they keep that team together or, you know, trade CJ for a good wing player or – get Zach Collins back and fully healthy and maybe contributing and keep Carmelo. I, I think it's a good situation for her to go to because that team still has a lot of potential to make runs. She'll be put in a good position and it, it's a fun team. Dame's a fun player to watch. McCollum's fun as well. They're a fun pair. So I think she could just make that team. If she brings that like Spurs 
mentality or whatever DNA, these Spurs yeah. coaches have. <laughs> brings it to Portland. Pop up and his they, DNA. <laughs> yeah, grind down defensively. It could be a really good team. Yeah, she's definitely – that's one thing she will bring if she becomes the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. Defensive integrity. She's definitely going to bring that coming from the root tree of uh, Popovich. Yeah, so hopefully that that's what happens, and we see her on the Portland Trailblazers. And I know the Indiana Pacers were looking at some guys. Brian Shaw was a name that, that was mentioned. I would love, love Fisdale. Love David Fisdale, and I, I would shout it from the rooftops. And I'm not even a Pacers fan. Yeah. I don't even like the Pacers, but I think David Fisdale would be a great That's match for that team. It would be great. But they're interviewing Brian Shaw, who I think could do a good job. Steve Clifford, I think they're talking to, and Terry Stotts they're talking to. So all, all three good candidates, and I think they want a guy with experience and who has the veteran leadership of, of a coach who has been through the playoffs and everything like that. So they clearly have their eyes on a couple couple different guys. And sadly, David Fisdale is, uh, is not one of them, unfortunately, which I disagree with. I think he would make a great coach for the Pacers, but uh, that's just me. Uh, finally, as we mentioned, Ben Simmons won't play for the Australian team in the Tokyo Olympics is what he said. He's going to be uh, working on his skill set. Yeah, we'll see about that. Yeah, you fooled awesome. us twice so far. I ain't listen. Fool me once. Shame on me. <laughs> shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Fool there me you three go. times. Yeah, then you're done. <laughs> then you're out of the league, honestly, at that point. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what he does this offseason. I'm sure we're going to get all those training videos from Ben Simmons. He's going to be putting out all those stuff, training hard, staying late in the gym. We're going to get a ton of shooting videos from Ben Simmons about him shooting. And no one, at least myself, is not going to believe any of it until we see him shoot a three or take consistent jump shots in the NBA, in a, yeah. in a game. <laughs> Box score can't say zero for zero. Zero for zero. But before we end, Ben, I just want to give a shout out to the executive of the year in the NBA. Yes. I want to just want to give him a shout out, right? Because he what he did for the Phoenix Suns and what got them in the position that they're in. Mr. James Jones, a what a three time champion with LeBron. You know, he just kind of packed his bags and went wherever <laughs> LeBron James went. In a sense, he was in Miami, then went to Cleveland, then went back, then went back to Cleveland, and you know. So I just want to give that credit because he put that team together. He drafted DeAndre Aiden over Luka Doncic and Trey Young, and it worked out wonders because if you Good. put all those guys on the wall. Marvin Bagley, DeAndre Aiden, Trey Young, and Luka Doncic. If you looked at all four of them, you would probably have to say, yeah, I want the big guy. <laughs> you would just probably naturally just have to say, I want the seven-footer. You can't coach yeah. seven feet. You can't coach you seven can't. feet. No, he's done a great job. Uh, and and I, there was articles about what the team and the Suns organization and the front office was like before he came in, made changes, and before everyone kind of professionalized the environment, and it sounded terrible how that front office was, and it sounded horrible. The the everything that they did and how they like approached people and how they looked horrible. So Kerr had that job at a point in time. I'm just he did, and then I saying. think he left, and it went downhill. <laughs> so. That's going to conclude this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast. We appreciate you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the Points in the Paint podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, make sure you follow myself, Zach Badgerhouse, and Ben Winstein on our respective social handles. Make sure you follow Shams for all your NBA news around the association. Stadium, you got to follow Stadium for all your sports network update and coverage. Sharp Lessons. 
You want to make you some money? I want to make me some money. Well, you got to listen to Sharp Lessons with my main man, Ben Wittenstein, Nate Jacobson, Mike Rizzo, and you know, whoever else may pop up. We had, a, you had Alexis on last time. It was fun. I'm trying to win me some money. Good time. Yeah, hopefully we are. Our best bets. I know Rizzo's been hot. Rizzo has been smoking hot. So follow Rizzo. Follow his best bets because he's he's been hitting. Perfect. And then you want to follow Trash and Treasure with Eddie and Felder to come out every Thursday. Great interviews, great content for the podcast. And you will hear from us next week.